Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have become real to us, and this is part of our Holy Week uh, episode, a special series we're doing each day of the Holy Week. I'm your host, Carrie Mielstein. And I'm Julianne Mielstein. My wonderful co-host and wife. <laughs> and today we are doing Holy Saturday. So let's, uh, the, the Holy Saturday actually has uh, not any scriptures about it. In fact, I was just reading a, a little uh, thing put together by some of our Christian friends, and they say no scriptural record for Saturday. That's not exactly true for us as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and so we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I think Julianne, first of all, had uh, something she wanted to tie in from Friday. Yeah, so this is a something that happened on Friday, but after the crucifixion. And just to kind of lead into the wonder and awe and even the sorrow of the feelings that were happening post-resurrection. And so I am reading from Matthew 27, starting with verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake, and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And that's just, I think, a powerful way to just start off thinking about this time forward. Uh, in fact, I would say that uh, that's one of my favorite symbols of the entire Easter and, and resurrection story, because that veil so symbolizes our being cut off from the presence of God and with Christ's death and, of course, the, the rising again. But he suffered in Gethsemane and died at that point. Uh, he has torn asunder that which separates us from God. We can overcome that separation and be with God again because of that. And that's a fantastic, wonderful thing. And because that veil had been rent, uh, it wasn't just for us on this side of the veil. It also was true for those on the other side of the veil. So this is the part where we can look at things that weren't just uh, in the scriptural record of the New Testament. Fortunately, we have modern day revelation to tell us some of what happened during that that time that Christ was in, his body was in the tomb. So uh, it, it's certainly on Holy Saturday. Maybe if we are on that other timeline where he's crucified on Thursday, maybe it's Friday and Saturday. Uh, in any case, it's something to really think about today. And we're going to read from the vision that Joseph F. Smith had that we have recorded in section 138 of the Doctrine and Covenants, where he saw the great hosts of heaven or the great hosts in the spirit world, all those who had gone to the other side of the veil. And he's talking about the righteous in this case. He saw them and how they were looking forward to the coming of Christ. And if we read in section 138, verse 18, he says, while this vast multitude waited and conversed, rejoicing in the hour of their deliverance from the chains of death, the son of God appeared declaring liberty to the captives who had been faithful. And there he preached to them the everlasting gospel, the doctrine of the resurrection and the redemption of mankind from the fall and from individual sins on conditions of repentance. But under the wicked, he did not go. And we'll continue on from there, or the, the story continues on from there. 
but uh, I, I think it's worth thinking about what the Savior was doing while he was, uh, his body was in the tomb. And what a glorious thing that he went and uh, in some ways opened up that missionary work in the hereafter. We know some of the spirits that either he or specifically others went to were those who had died in the days of the flood, in the times of Noah. We learned that from Peter. Uh, and to think that he went to those who had been so wicked and had waited so long and declared the opportunity for liberty and freedom. What a wonderful thing to think about on Saturday. So one of the things that we could think of and consider doing on Holy Saturday is either go to the temple again or do some temple work, get some names ready or something like that uh, to participate in the same kind of thing that the Savior participated in on Holy Saturday. This is a great idea. Really great idea. Another thing that we can do today is consider the depths of sorrow that the disciples were feeling on this day. There was so much hope that they had placed in the Savior, and and he was their, their leader, and there really wasn't a replacement for them. There was nothing that they quite understood as being set up, and, and they loved Jesus Christ, and they followed him. They left their lives, in a lot of cases, behind to be able to follow him, and and they felt such um, strength in his presence and love just to the extent I just can't even quite comprehend how that must have felt, that, that feeling of ending and loss of vision and focus and, and just wonderment at what all this was supposed to mean and what was supposed to happen now. And we, we see that play out here after this, but just, you know, I just can't imagine, honestly, how that would have felt. We've, we've had some uh, different deaths that we've experienced, and yet we have, I think. Yeah, deaths of loved ones, not our own deaths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> deaths of loved ones, and also experiencing deaths of prophets and others who yeah. have been our leaders, that just the sorrow that I have experienced, even with a certain knowledge that they didn't quite possess and understanding of things moving forward. I just, I can't imagine the situation with the Savior at that time. Yeah, it, it is. Sorry. You know, you're, you're. It is clear that uh, they, they still didn't understand how this was working. They were sure he was the Messiah and would do certain things. And being dying was not in the plans for that, or at least not until he accomplished other things, right? And uh, they didn't have the idea of his coming back to life and coming to be with them again at that point or anything along those lines. This seemed like everything they had given up their lives for, everything they'd put their trust in, everything they were so excited about had just been crushed. And it wasn't happening the way they were sure it would. And I can't imagine that sense of loss and that feeling of, wait, everything has just been pulled out from under me. And it's not what I thought it was. And he wasn't who I thought he was, even though I was sure that's who he was. And that depth of feeling of just darkness and, and sadness and really kind of also that lack of unity probably at that time uh, would just be full of so much despair and and I think maybe 
at different points in our lives and and, and for different people have experienced such yeah. loss of hope and and just utter despair and traditionally we 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 feel like that the holy ghost came in its fullness during the pentecost but christ had promised them the comforter and i imagine that at this time of despair there was some sense some relief brought to them through the holy ghost and uh and that the savior wouldn't leave them comfortless like he had promised whether immediately or or soon after you know or we don't know but but that's what we have also for ourselves is that holy ghost that doesn't leave us comfortless that when we turn to our father in prayer that we have that accessible to us to provide us that that hope and that comfort again during those darkest hours of our days and there's one tradition we don't believe in but uh i think is a, a pretty powerful symbol and that is the uh the greek or orthodox and armenian tradition of holy fire which happens the day before the resurrection the day before easter uh each year it's a tradition that started in the fourth century and it uh that what the tradition that started was that a, a fire appeared at the the tomb of our savior and so a candle was lit and then that lit other candles and that spread the that fire throughout the world and that continues every year at the church of the holy sepulcher where i where um both a priest from the armenian and greek orthodox church go into the edicule and which is the the tomb the mm -hmm. the uh, tomb in the holy sepulcher and they light this this initial fire and then the entire church of the holy sepulcher is just packed full of uh pilgrims who have come to worship and be a part of this tradition and they light their fire from this initial fire and then it leaves uh, people leave from there lighting other fires so throughout the all the city uh the streets are just packed and fires being lit and then people take that same uh fire on candles and it's often bunched in huge bunches of small little individual candles are bunched together and they take that fire on planes and fly it around the world and continue to light and i just think that's a great symbolism there's a lot of great symbolism in that with the uh really two parts that i specifically see is one is that the, the holy ghost comes and is spread through the world to provide that comfort on such a disheartening sorrowful um, day that has no savior um and and maybe even a thought of no savior with that misunderstanding that the savior was actually gone and absent from from their lives and and then also that the, the symbolism of a candle is being a prayer to heaven and requesting that comfort. And I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful tradition that uh, we can at least reflect on the symbolism of. Uh, I agree. I agree. And to go back to that notion of how dark uh, the feelings must have been on Friday as they see the Savior die and that Saturday when they don't yet know that this isn't the end. And they're just trying to figure out what to do. 
Um, it reminds me of a talk by Elder Worthlin, Elder Joseph B. Worthlin. Um, and he'll just talk about how dark Friday was, but I think that it also fits to me. It, actually, the feeling fits extremely well for Saturday as well. Of course, Friday when you see him die is crushing, but Saturday is the day you have that whole day to think about it and to wonder what now, what now? And so maybe we can just close by reading some words from his talk. Um, and he'll say, darkness of Friday, I'm going to keep throwing in Saturday. He says, but the doom of that day will not endure. The despair did not linger because on Sunday, the resurrected Lord burst the bonds of death. He ascended from the grave and appeared gloriously triumphant as the savior of all mankind. And in an instant, the eyes that had been filled with ever-flowing tears dried. The lips that had whispered prayers of distress and grief now filled the air with wondrous praise. For Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, stood before them as the first fruits of the resurrection, the proof that death is merely the beginning of a new and wondrous existence. Each of us will have our own Fridays, and I would say again, also Saturdays, those days where it just seems like this doesn't end. We're stuck in this dark, terrible place, and we don't see how it resolves. Those days when the universe itself seems shattered and the shards of our world lie littered about us in pieces. We will all experience those broken times when it seems we can never be put together again. We will all have our Fridays. But I testify to you in the name of the one who conquered death, Sunday will come. In the darkness of our sorrow, Sunday will come. No matter our desperation, no matter our grief in this life or the next, Sunday will come. And we want to add our testimonies to that as well. There are dark Fridays and dark Saturdays. Everyone will have them. We've signed up for a mortal probation that is supposed to happen. And they are, are for our growth, but they're also incredible. But what can get us through is the knowledge and the hope and the faith that someday will come.